Let's turn our Bibles tonight, please, to the book of Psalms and to the 61st Psalm. Psalm number 61. Mentioned the Psalm briefly this morning in the message. And we look at it tonight. Psalm 61. It's a very well-known psalm, and yet, do not let its familiarity take from our reading the reverence that all Scripture deserves. The Lord says a very striking statement in the book of Isaiah. I look to that man, that individual, that trembles at my word. And therefore we come to this book. And we realize that though we were to read a portion a thousand, yea, ten thousand times, there's a depth there that we haven't reached yet, because it's God's word. And therefore we come again to the psalm with that realization that we are weak, but he is mighty, and he's able to open our eyes and show us things that we've never seen before. Psalm 61, reading together. From verse number one. Let us hear the word of God. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah, for thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life, and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Amen. We'll end our reading there. And we know that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word to every heart. Let's unite our hearts together in prayer, please. And let us seek the Lord just in a moment. And just whatever words you take in these moments, you take them now. As we said this morning, all too soon the benediction will be pronounced. And we're now in the evening service. And when the benediction is pronounced, the public worship services for this Sabbath are over. And therefore, let us just come to the Lord and pray, Lord, speak to my heart. Give me the help that I need. Let us all pray. Let us all seek the face of God. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we bow again before thee. And we recognize that thou art God, and beside thee there is none other. And we thank thee for Jesus Christ, thy Son, who lived and died for his people. And we thank thee for the Holy Spirit that convinces men of sin and leads them to rest in that finished work. And we bow down tonight, realizing our great need of thee, realizing as ever that we are the mortal before the immortal. 
We are the foolish before the infinitely wise. We are the weak, but thou art mighty. And therefore, O God, we cry to thee that thou would remember us tonight in this evening service for the moments that remain. And Father, we cannot pray that we are worthy that you answer our prayers. But O God, we say, look upon the man at thy right hand. And remember Gethsemane's bloody sweat. And remember the agonies of Golgotha. And remember the church for which he shed his blood. And O God, for Christ's sake and for Christ's glory alone, come and visit this little meeting in Florida. Close us in with thyself. Make this meeting the very Bethel to your hearts, the very gate of heaven to your souls. Bind the devil. Stand into the victory of the cross. Plead the blood of the Lamb. And I confess before thee my complete inadequacy to deal with what is before me now in this meeting. Empty me now of self and sin. Wash me completely in the blood of Christ. Forgive all my sins, for they are many. And fill me now with the Holy Ghost and power. Grant that divine anointing. Grant that holy baptism which the Lord alone does give. The baptism to preach. The baptism to hear with profit. Hear prayer now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many times in our lives, I am sure, we have said statements something like, I can't take any more. I have had enough. I quit. If this doesn't stop, it's going to be the end of me. This is just a bridge too far. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I am not taking this any longer. If I have put this over in my mind once, I have put it over in my mind a thousand times. What on earth is going on? Or just simply, as David put it, my heart is overwhelmed. I venture to say at this point in the meeting that we have all at some point or another used those phrases, at least some of them. Those statements are just statements that we use to describe how we feel when things don't go too well. Samson felt like it. Judges 15, he said, one more battle, I cease. Elijah said in 1 Kings 19, it's enough, take away my life. Paul was so discouraged whenever he was in Corinth that the Lord had to come to Paul and say, Paul, don't even think of stopping preaching. Just go to Acts 18, do I show you that? Acts chapter 18. Paul's in Corinth. Corinth would have been no easy place to be a Christian, never mind preaching the gospel. Acts 18, verse number 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. Do do you note that? The Lord would never have said to Paul, Don't be afraid, Paul, if he hadn't been afraid. He would never have had to say to Paul, Speak, and don't hold your peace, if Paul was not at the stage where he he was not going to speak. And then the Lord comes and encourages him, For I am with thee. 
And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Paul, don't hold your peace. In other words, he had every intention of holding his peace. And David says, when my heart is overwhelmed. All those statements that I have mentioned flow to us when we look at verse 2 of Psalm 61. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You see, David, at this point in his life, something has affected his heart. Something has come into his life. And I want to take this psalm and I want to speak a message that I've entitled, Christ the Rock for David in Affliction. Christ the Rock for David in Affliction. Now the first thing I want to show you is this man called David. You say we all know who David is. Yes and that's good. But we want to just rehearse it. We want to look at it because clearly at this time in David's life David is in a very difficult situation. Who was this man? Well David was the son of Jesse. That is how David is introduced to the world in the little book of Ruth that we began to read this morning. Go to Ruth chapter 4 please to we see the way David appears in the canon. This man that was going to take up so much of history of the Bible, never mind world history. But go to the book of Ruth and to the fourth chapter. And here's how David appears on the page of scripture. Ruth 4 verse 17. And the woman, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Here's how David appears on the page of Scripture. This man, he was a, of course, he was the son of Jesse, but he was a brother to seven boys and two girls. He himself was a father. He himself was a husband. He was a writer of 75 psalms and the scriptures of truth. He was a king. He reigned seven years in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem. He was a soldier. And may I say, a great soldier. He was a valiant man in Israel. Let me say this. Israel never feared to go into battle when David led them. Let me make that clear. David was a giant of a soldier. Bravery was right there. And Israel never feared to go into battle when David led them. David, of course, was a saved man. There was a day in his life when he had come to faith in the Lord of Israel. Well, we know he wasn't a perfect man. He had his faults. One dark blot, one dark period in his life stains his character to this very day. But here we look at this man. In this psalm that he penned. A great soldier, a great king, a writer of scripture, but a just a man nonetheless. As I have said, David wrote 75 psalms in the book, of, in the book of the, that you have before you tonight. And you can see this is one of them. But David's here in trouble. As many times believers are. Was it the time when Saul hounded him? Or was it the time of Absalom's rebellion? Can't be sure, but it was a time of great affliction. It's even seen in the words in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God! 
Attend unto my prayer. He could have said, hear my cry, attend unto my prayer. It would really have meant the same. But whenever he was saying, oh God, it's there for a sigh. The man is just, he's so far in perplexity here. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Time when I personally believe David was banished from the kingdom. He was exiled. We glean that from verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. He's an exiled believer at this point. Could I speak to one tonight? Tonight you feel exiled. I don't mean geographically. Yes, David's situation, he's miles from home. But it's not necessary to be miles from home to be exiled. You could be in the exile of temptation, strange place. You could be in the exile of failure. You could be in the exile of discouragement. The exile of a different difficult trial. The exile, that place of being overwhelmed, a place you've never been before, a strange place that providence has taken you to, and you feel you're exiled. Because life's not the same anymore. Yeah, you could be in spiritual exile and never be physically moved from your position geographically. You could be in exile from your God. Cold and hard. Far from him. The exile of physical sickness. The exile of not being able to come to the Lord's house anymore because of sickness. Always remember those people in your prayers. They feel exiled. Turn to Exodus 3 a moment. Exodus chapter 3. Here's Moses. Exodus 3 verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. I want you to understand there's more in view than that Moses physically is at the backside of the desert. There's a spiritual inference here. Moses at this point is exiled because of what happened earlier in his life when he slew an Egyptian. And he's in exile. And probably in Moses' mind it is, is this the way this is going to end? Am I just going to go on through my life like this and and then go to heaven? Is, Is this the way it'll end? And David, he says, from the end of the earth I'll cry unto thee. What about the penetration of David's trouble? Go back to Psalm 61. Verse 2, I mentioned this this morning, when my heart is overwhelmed. I want you to notice that. This trouble penetrated the heart. It penetrated the heart. What is the heart when we speak about the heart? It's the seat of affection. Affection. 
the heart feels, the heart rejoices, the heart mourns. Laughter is the sign of a happy heart. The tear is the sign of a heavy, broken heart. Heavy heart, fearful heart. It's not the sign of weakness. You remember who's in view here. David, the great soldier of Israel. We can be 100% sure a Philistine didn't cause this. David would have arose and went out against him fearlessly. Fearlessly. David says, my heart's overwhelmed. Break David's leg, he'll fight on. He was a soldier. Break his heart, he's down. Break a believer's leg, they'll pray on. Break their heart. They'll say, oh God, help me. Break the leg, the head stands strong. Break the heart, the head bows. Telling you, it's not a Philistine. I know we do say, and I say it all the time, a smile covers an aching heart, and that is right. But that only lasts so long. You want to see the heart of anybody, you watch their face. Here's a man of war. A giant for God and his heart's overwhelmed. Here's an heir to the throne of Israel. His heart's overwhelmed. Here's the man that when not one other man in Israel will go out against Goliath, David went out because he had spoken against David's God and David wouldn't take it. And he went out against the giant and slew him. But here he's now broken. Because something hurt his heart. Here's a son, his heart's overwhelmed. A father, his heart's overwhelmed. A writer of scripture, his heart's overwhelmed. A husband, his heart's overwhelmed. A saved man on his way to heaven, his heart's overwhelmed. I say to you tonight, and we all know it, there's none of us exempt from something coming into the heart that breaks it, wounds it. I tell you, it wasn't a Philistine. David would have dealt with it like that. The word overwhelm, I said this morning, it gives the sense of being swamped by a great wave. You know what I mean? A wave hits you. You cannot stand against that wave. It'll just take the feet from below you and before you know where you're at, you're down. That's the sense of the word. The word means anxiety, anguish, heaviness. When my heart is in anxiety, when my heart is in anguish, when my heart is in heaviness, when my heart is sinking, it's all in view and the word overwhelmed. I say there's no point in the devil using a Philistine against David. It won't work. The devil knows it. 
David's too great a soldier. He'll lift that spear, he'll lift that sword, he'll go out. But the devil finds an Absalom. Or finds a Saul. It'll break his heart. What else breaks our hearts? Sin will break it. Sin will break it. Remember what this dear man David penned in Psalm 51? When he says, Lord, make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Sin will cause it. Sometimes circumstances will cause it. David's exiled. He's not able to get to the temple, obviously. He can't go up those steps in Jerusalem. He can't go to the place of sacrifice. Oh, he can go in his heart, but he can't go physically. And he feels it in his heart. The situation has caused so much change in so many areas for David. When my heart is overwhelmed. Did you ever get there, dear believer? You wake in the morning and it's there. You sit down to have a cup of tea for lunch and it's there. You relax in the evening and it's come through your mind like mad. You go to bed. It's there. You wake in the middle of the night. It's there. When my heart is overwhelmed. The condition of David. What about the comfort of David? Verse 2. Lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. Obviously David is not speaking here not talking about a physical rock he's speaking about the Lord. Christ in the scripture is referred to over and over again as the rock we sang about him tonight Thou blessed rock of ages I'm hiding in thee We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll fastened to the rock. Christ was the cleft of the rock. He was the smitten rock in Calvary's brow. He was the smitten rock. As he bore our sins and our sorrows, smitten by God and afflicted. He's the rock of ages. Tell you something else, in this dark day in which our nations find themselves, this day of liberalism, this day when the world and the nations have this agenda that's against God and against anything that's good, Christ is the rock upon which the church will be built in the midst of it. And not any power in hell can stop it. Because he's the rock. He 
He was a rock which followed Israel in the wilderness. Paul told the church in Corinth and that little history lesson he gave them, that rock was Christ. And David realizes, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. You see, David realizes this time in his life he had those mighty men all with him. But folks, there's problems that come in life that an army can't sort out. If an army could have sorted this one, they'd have sorted it. You read those portions in the Old Testament, David's mighty men. Something's come in here to his heart. I personally believe it was that time of rebellion of Absalom. David realizes in this one veins the help of man. You see, when you have a spiritual problem, a spiritual situation, it's only a spiritual answer, a spiritual support that deals with it. Verse 3 makes it clear David is not speaking about a physical rock. Look at verse 3. After he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, then he says this, for thou. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the Lord. For thou, Lord, has been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Look at the way he says it. He's in the past tense here. Thou, Lord, hast been. Lord, you've supported me in the past. Support me now. Thou hast been a shelter for me. And a strong tower from the enemy. David could look back to times in his life. I, I, I say, I guarantee he looked back first to the very first time as a boy that the Lord had saved him. Oh, what a marvelous thing to be able to look back to a time in your life when the Lord saves you. Let me say just in passing here. It's a marvelous thing to be able to do that. And you make sure, everyone, that you can do it. Everyone here makes sure you're trusting in Christ. The blessed rock of ages. Because I say this, any other place, any other thing, any other object that you place your trust on will not work. It'll not work in life. It'll not work in death. It'll certainly not work in the judgment. If what a man or woman's depending on for the salvation of their soul and for the forgiveness of their sin doesn't take them to Christ and a cross, they haven't found it. And I mean Christ and a cross alone. Thou hast been a shelter for me. And a strong tower from the enemy. Dear troubled believer, maybe, tonight in the meeting. There's a person in view here. Thou. Thou hast been a shelter for me. It's a lover of the soul. Love the words of Charles West, his great hymn, one of my favorite hymns. Jesus, lover of my soul, 
let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is nigh, hide me. O my Saviour, hide, till the storm of life is past, and safe into thy haven guide. O receive my soul at last. There's a Saviour in view here. Maybe one here tonight, struggling with sin in your life. Ah, my friend, there's a great saviour here, a great victory of the cross. There's blood to cleanse you from it. Maybe a sinner here tonight never saved. My friend, there's a marvellous saviour that saves all that come to him here. Saves them from the wrath of God to come. Thou hast been a shelter for me. Maybe there's one here and As we said this morning, you think nobody understands, nobody knows. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Christ here, the rock. Isn't it wonderful in the scriptures how the Lord uses illustrations like this that we all understand? Let me give you four things about a rock in the physical first. A rock doesn't move. A rock doesn't change. A rock supports anything that rests on it. And a rock will not sink when we rest on it. See, ever now I've said there is the exact opposite of us. We always move. We always change. We always fail somewhere. And there's time we feel we sink. But I'm telling you this, that's why David said, lead me to the rock. Lead me to one that doesn't change. Lead me to one that can support me through this. Lead me to one that can uphold me. Lead me to one that will never sink. Go to Matthew 14 a moment with me, please. Matthew 14. Look with me at verse number 29. You know the story. The little boats in the sea. The disciples are in it. They're terrified. And so would we have been. Commentators believe it was no, it was no ordinary storm. It was a satanic attack upon this boat with the future preachers of the word in it. There's this great attack raging. Look at verse 29, it's that time, we're looking at verse 28 to get the setting. The Lord comes in the midst of it, walking in the sea. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee in the water. The little word if, it literally means since it be thou, bid me come unto thee in the water. And he said, come. 
And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. Now I know Peter gets sometimes from preachers a bit of a hard time here. He begins to sink. I think that's a bit unfair. I know the mistake he made, and we've all made it. But I want you to just understand one thing Peter understood. Peter understood that the best place to be when the storm is blowing and the satanic nature of it is so clear, the best place to be is as near to Jesus Christ as you can get. And even if it meant stepping out of a boat to get to him, he makes the journey. Since it be thou, bid me come unto thee in the water. Peter wasn't presumptuous here. He's not going to move without a word. But the minute the Lord gives him the word, come, he doesn't hesitate. He steps out to get to Christ because he realized in the midst of a storm, it's the safest place to be. As near Christ as possible. The glorious person, go back to Psalm 61, thou person of our Lord there's also a channel here for the believer verse 1 hear my cry O God attend unto my prayer verse 2 lead me to the rock David longs to get near to the Lord he would love to be back in Jerusalem but here he wants to be near to the Lord and he wants the Lord to be near to him though I can't get to the temple he's saying I can get to the Lord of the temple. It's always a great comfort. Sometimes when I would have done hospital visitation in Liverpool, those dear people in hospital, weary, can't get to the house of God, and undoubtedly one of the first things they would say to you when you go in would be, how's the church services? Because they miss it. They miss the gathering of the saints. And sometimes I would turn to this portion or go to Revelation 1 when John was exiled. Remind them that though they can't get to the church service, the Lord of the church comes to them. Comforts them. There's also a contrast here. David's comfort, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David freely admits it's too much for him, the situation. But it's not too much for God. Well, you note that. David admits that here. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David admits that this one is way beyond him. But it's never way beyond the Lord. And dear brother, sister, tonight... Whatever your situation, there's one that understands. There's one that knows where you are. And I don't mean geographically. I know where you are geographically. You're sitting in this building. I have no idea where you are emotionally. And you have no idea where I am. I have no idea. What trials have come into your life and you have no idea what trials have come into mine? I have no idea what trials are going to come into your life. 
and I have no idea what trials are going to come into mine. But as we look at this tonight, we want to remember that whatever comes, there's a rock that's higher than I. There's one that's able to deal with it. There's one that's able to support us. There's one that's able to succor us and help us and uphold us. What about the availability for David? Look at verse 2 again. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Now I want to make something clear here. Obviously you would know David was never in the end of the earth. He was never all over the world. But it doesn't matter where you are. Exiled physically, spiritually, even you are in the end of the earth. The thought is, with that statement, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, is this. There's a universal availability to the throne of grace for every believer. See, there are some things that the devil can do. He can tempt. He can taunt. He can accuse whenever his temptations work a wee bit with you and you feel a bit. But there's one thing he can never do. He can never close the throne of grace to anybody in union with Jesus Christ. There's a universal availability. Even this takes me to the end of the earth. My voice will be heard in heaven. Even this trial leaves me that I don't know what to say. My tears that have a voice will be seen in heaven. Because the devil can never close it to me. He can't close it to me in life. He can't close it to me when my eyelids close in death. And he'll never close it to me throughout all the ages of eternity. The only place or the only one that heaven is closed to is him. He was out and he can't go back. The universal availability. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Sometimes parents see their families grow up and go to different parts of the world at times. You remember, dear believer, they can go from your eyes in that you can't physically see them. But they can't go from your prayers and they certainly can't go from your God. Because there's this universal availability. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong for those that fear him. As I say, David was never in, in the ends of the earth, but the thought is, even he had been, nothing could shut heaven. Nothing. It always reminds me of the story of a morning in Scotland in the year 1840. 
a dark November morn. The family and the mother had risen at 5 a.m. And the mother made coffee. When a young man and his father were preparing to walk to Glasgow train station. The young man was going to be a missionary. With the light of a lamp. The book of God was opened on the table. The father read the words of the 121st Psalm. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The thought was that young man was going to the other side of the world. And when he would be under the sun, his parents would be under the moon. But the God that made them both would watch over them all. That family I refer to was the family of David Livingstone. Great missionary of the cross. Setting off. They realized as a family there was this universal availability. That heaven was open to. That their God would hear their cry. And that the one that they called on and the one that called or David called upon here neither slumbered nor sleep. David's assurance, finally, verse 6. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. What do I mean by David's assurance? Well, Was David being presumptuous when he said, Thou wilt prolong the king's life? No, he wasn't. Because David knew that he would be king one day. Because God had promised it. And nothing could stop it. But as I close here, what about the greater David? David's greater son. Our blessed Lord. What about the promise that Christ received? A throne and a people to have forever. And as I said a moment ago, Christ will have them. Christ will have them. Let me make this clear. That across our nations, many of the Lord's people in these days, because of what we see, we we get, at times we think, how much worse can this get? See sin in every hand. We see sins that 50 years ago you would never have seen publicly. But now they're so bold. They're so brazen. I say to you, my friend, don't let your heart be overwhelmed. The church will be built. Christ's people will be gathered into it. And there's not a power in hell or a government, a governmental instrument that they decide to use or a false religion that will stop it. Christ rules and reigns. When we come here, when I say we, I've never been to one before, when you come here on a Wednesday night to pray, 
that prayer meeting has the possibility of transforming this district because of where that prayer meeting takes you. That prayer meeting takes you in before the living God. That prayer meeting takes you to a throne where Christ is. And as we gather to pray, Christ is pleading his own blood at that throne. And he's pleading the merits of his own cross. And he's pleading for those that he died for. And every one of them will be gathered in. Every one of them. And therefore you know what we should pray. And I'm sure you do pray it. In fact, I would know you pray it. Lord, don't only fill this building. But don't only bring them in here. Bring them into Christ. Bring them into these pews. And build that church for which you died through them. When my heart is overwhelmed. Time's gone, you only have to leave it. Where are you tonight, brother, sister? Problem, a difficulty? As I say, I don't know. You don't know me. But there's one that does. Maybe one tonight here, not saved. If I could say something very kindly to you. That is just about the worst place in God's earth that any person ever dwelt. Because you're a breath from perishing. You're one beat of the heart. From the eternal ruin of hell itself. And I say to you tonight, that is the most dangerous place on this earth to dwell. And therefore you need to come to Christ. And you need to come to him at once. Maybe you say, preacher, I'm not sure. I say in great love, When you're dealing with the soul that you possess that'll live forever, you need to be sure. You can't go in to eternity not sure because there'll be no doubts after it. And let me say, if there's one here tonight and you would like to speak to me or any of the elders, you do that. This building is open. For the glory of God and the good of souls. Come to Christ. Come to that blessed rock of ages. And dear believer. When the billows roar. And maybe they are in your life at the minute. Get to the rock. That will suffer you through it. May God write his word. On every heart. Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. And even just as our heads are bowed and public worship is almost over. Maybe this has been a word for someone.
Lift your heart to heaven as you sit in the Lord's presence in these final moments. Say, Lord, hear me. Strengthen me. This one that's coming, Lord, it's too much for me. This that I'm in the midst of, it's too much, Lord. Help me through it. Maybe loved ones far from God tonight, Lord, remember them. As I sit before you, Lord, remember them. Lord, take your word. Take what's been of the preacher. Let it fall to the ground, for it's inadequate. But take thy holy truth and all that's been of thee and apply it to every soul as thou dost see the need. O blessed Spirit, do your work. Glorify Christ in so doing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.